welcome to Shameless, the pop culture podcast for smart people who love dumb stuff. You're joined, as always, by Melbourne writers Michelle Andrews and Zara McDonald. Hello, Zara McDonald, and hello, producer Annabelle Lee. Hello. Hey, team, we're coming up on today's show. ASAP Rocky's arrest over an LA shooting, the latest on that ugly Johnny Depp and Amber Heard trial, Elon Musk splashes his pocket money on buying Twitter, the rise of the coastal grandma trend, <laughs> and then we rummage through the shameless mailbag. What if you only uncover your partner's lie a year after it's been told? Ooh. I didn't write that one. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm Thank you. First, Michelle, how was your week? It was a good week. I need to go a bit maybe woo-woo with you both for a second. I just need your thoughts on something. I could go woo-woo. So <laughs> Take me there. It's actually a bit of a journey that involves the podcast. So obviously on last week's podcast, I got on and we were talking about whales because my recommendation was... Blackfish. Blackfish, the documentary about SeaWorld and orca whales. And that had come about because my cousin, as listeners of last week's show would know, Walked into the room essentially and said, you absolutely have to watch this. You're going to adore it. It's all about whales. So that's whales on Sunday. On Wednesday night, after we record the podcast, my dad had booked my some of my siblings and I some comedy fest tickets. I go along and it ends up being a full comedy show about Moby Dick, all about whales. Whales throughout the entire thing. I don't know where this is going, but I can tell you I already don't like it. I go to my sister's house on Saturday and she goes, oh my God, I have to show you the new artwork we've got done in Lucy's room. Like their friend did this beautiful piece of art. It's massive in Lucy's room and it's beautiful. It's like the focal point of the room. Entirely whales. Then, stay with me, Zara McDonald. I, I'm melting. I get a call from Mitch. Slowly fading. I get a call from Mitch on Sunday and he goes, hey. I ate a whale. I am a whale. No. Uh, he goes, my mum's keys are in the top drawer with like our cutlery. Can you grab them? I pick them up and she has a key ring of a whale. So I'm convinced the universe is trying to tell me something about whales. What do you think they're trying to tell you? Well, I Googled it. <laughs> oh, no. And the symbolic meaning of whales is all knowing about life and death, which is creepy and deep. And I don't know. I don't even know what that means. <laughs> that is woo-woo. <laughs> How did we get here? <laughs> anyway, so if anyone wants to come to me and explain what the hell all the whale symbols mean, and apparently it means luck. So maybe I go get a lotto oh, ticket. That's true. I Should can back that. Yeah, let's split the winnings. Yeah. If you win, I win. Let's <laughs> give a shit for telling the story. <laughs> But if I win some millions, <laughs> let's use the company money then and we can buy a lotto ticket and see how we go next week. All right, oh, there you go. Do you have a recommendation? Sarah hates that. As soon as you get woo-woo, she's like, Actually, no, no thanks. It depends on the type of woo-woo. I just didn't think that we were going down the whale path. It no, wasn't I love the woo-woo, woo-woo. It was the whales. Interesting. Hey, don't hate on whales. <laughs> well, apparently the whale's the most spiritual creature. So there, there you go, go Sarah McLean. Lovely. She hates it. She's give like, me, move it along. Give me a recommendation. I loved an episode of The Diary of a CEO <laughs> which we need to formally apologise again. We once upon a time slammed the title Diary of a CEO and it has now become our favourite podcast perhaps. So apologies to Stephen Bartlett who hosts that podcast. He seems to get like a fortnightly three-weekly apology (laughs) on the show because we love him. He does indeed. Now he did an episode with the founder of Gymshark. His name is Ben Francis. Now, I'm not super interested in like building an athleisure brand, but I was super interested in listening as to how Ben Francis has kind of navigated his life and building a business in his 20s. Who recommended this to you? I 
I don't, did it you? It was me. I said I sent this link to you. Oh my god! See, I forgot. <laughs> oh my god! I don't even remember that. I just remember listening to it. But it was so so good. One of my favorite standout lessons from this was Ben Francis spoke at length as to how he doesn't let his weaknesses define him anymore. He doesn't yeah. identify with his weaknesses. And that was a very important lesson for me to maybe hear. The entire interview, they really came back to that, that if you think you are bad at public speaking or if you think you are not very charismatic or you're too introverted in a social situation, for example, that's Ben Francis's Well, he, he was quite interesting because he always said, you know, I always assumed that I was the CEO who was never going to be the public speaker. Mm. I was never going to be the charismatic CEO who sort of made a career out of also being a public CEO. Mm. And it got to a point a couple of years ago where he's like, wait, I also have the power to change that. Yes. Yeah. And I loved that because he spoke at length as to how instead of going, well, I don't do those things, his mindset has been, well, I'm going to get better at those. Yes. I'm actually going to focus on those and become more well-rounded as a human being. And so I think ever since I've listened to that, I actually listened to this maybe a month think, or two ago, which is why I forgot you I think I, I sent it to you when I was in, a, in quarantine the first time maybe. Yeah. I think that's when I listened to it and I found it quite clarifying and sent it to you with that time code of this bit being yes. like to Ray as well, who we work with, because I was like this part about him not identifying with weaknesses is one of the most remarkable things I've heard because I feel like we all identify with our weaknesses yeah. all the time. I will often say, and I think I was thinking about it more in a work capacity, but I agree with you in a personal capacity. It's really handy too for me to be like, well, that's just how I communicate and everyone else can get used to it. Mm. And that's just how I do things. So that's just the way it's going to be even if that's sort of a flawed way of going about things. And I was like, you don't have to be like that. Mm. Like you can change the way you communicate or change the way you do things. And it sounds so simple, but it's been so powerful for us. Yeah, because I have often rested in like, oh, well, I'm not very good at that. So that's just something I'm not good at. That's unchanging. And it's like, no, you can actually change that. You can work to become better at that. So when you're looking for this one in the podcast feed, make sure you go for the second episode of Diary of a CEO with Ben Francis. There's another one from 2017, but that's not what we're after is it no I've only listened to the most recent one so it's got to be that one as I said I forgot you recommended <laughs> that it to is me okay. three months ago <laughs> but I listened to it three months ago I revisited it recently and to be honest it has been living in my head rent free ever since I probably think about this and the lessons I learned from this episode every single day yeah. so for that reason I wanted to recommend it because I didn't at the time it's so interesting when something sticks out to you because I think you know it's powerful at the time that you listen to but it's when you constantly revisit it like for me it's that Brene Brown interview I think it was on how to fail that mm. I recommended ages ago where I spoke about how when she said people with boundaries are the most compassionate people she knows I find myself thinking about that almost once a day yeah. and I was like god it's interesting when stuff sticks with you and you don't realize it yeah what about you how was your week my week was good I don't have that much to report I have to be honest all <laughs> these short weeks are a curse my god I love them but I hate them <laughs> it's it's an interesting one I love 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 a long weekend but we haven't limited the amount of content we're putting out so we are just kind of working a lot harder in four days and I think that's what I'm finding talking to a lot of people is everyone's like great this is sort of a real trial for the four-day work week because yeah. can you squish all your work in four days you can it hurts me, <laughs> but you can I have a recommendation as well I watched the white hot documentary the rise and fall of Abercrombie and Fitch because it's been all over my Netflix it just came out didn't it yeah and when I was watching Anatomy of a Scandal it was like the next one right you know when they have like the feature yeah. poster and you're like oh I've just got to do it and I was really intrigued so I think for us, 
being in Australia and being the age that we are, I do think Abercrombie and Fitch was on our radar, but also probably passed us by. I did own one Abercrombie and Fitch hoodie and it was like my prized possession, but that was in year six, yeah, I think. And then it young. became very not cool very quickly. Yes, I agree with that. And I think my memories of Abercrombie and Fitch are just like blonde people modelling for them who were quite hot mm. and that being their models en- tend to be hot yeah <laughs> and that being their entire brand but this documentary sort of goes into how Abercrombie and Fitch sort of became the brand that it did and how it crashed very quickly I found the first 15 minutes a little slow so give it time but once it really hits its stride and talks about how deeply problematic some of the company policies were and how they treated their staff and the kinds of products they put out it's pretty mind-blowing have they closed down no so this is also what I found really interesting because I was hoping that you would have watched it by the time we got on mic apologies no 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 (laughs) never apologize for living your life. <laughs> um, I think it's an ad for Abercrombie and Fitch. Sorry? It sounds strange. And I haven't done any fact checking on this. I know I usually come with great fun facts, but I haven't done any fact checking on this. The last sort of four to five minutes of the documentary is talking about how Abercrombie and Fitch are different now. <gasps> and I wonder if this is Abercrombie and Fitch's. So Mia Culpa. Yeah, them trying to reposition themselves. By getting everyone talking about how bad they used to be and how they're not like that anymore. Someone do the groundwork on that one for us. Yeah, but a really interesting documentary anyway. I mean, it didn't make me want to buy anything from Abercrombie and Fitch, so maybe it didn't work on me. (laughs) It was my vibe when I was 12. It's not really my vibe anymore. It'd be funny if you were dressed in like a full Abercrombie (laughs) and Fitch outfit right now. (laughs) It's an ad. (laughs) (laughs) Nah, it was was a solid watch. And to be honest, an hour and 28 minutes, like that's me maxing out. (laughs) I can't go much higher than that. That is so fair. Interesting. I will be watching that one this week. Let me know how you go. Let's jump straight into the quick and dirty to start, Michelle, because we have Quite a lot on the menu. We have a lot on the menu and I'm trying to think of a segui, but let's just go with <laughs> Zara. Ooh, what are we going to go with? Annabelle? Oh, God, don't throw it at me. Zara. Yes. <laughs> Chirpy oh, McDonald's. Yeah. All right. That's what have nice. you got for us? My first story, this is quite a serious one to start, so I might just tone shift. Johnny Depp and Amber Heard, it is hard to root for either one. That is from the LA Times. I do want to give a trigger warning before we dive into this story. This story does deal with alleged domestic violence and sexual violence. It is incredibly dark Mm. and some of our listeners may be triggered by that. Yeah, please note as well, guys, this is obviously a quick and dirty story. So we will not be able to cover this case in its entirety. But please know we do plan on doing a scandal series on Johnny Depp and Amber Heard. We're going to start working on that in the back with researcher Justine soon. For now, Zara, in this story, let's cover a top line rundown on what the hell has been happening over the last week in that Fairfax County courtroom. We've said this in previous episodes of Shameless, but this is not Johnny's first attempt to sue his ex-wife for claiming that she is a victim of domestic violence. Yeah, so a quick refresher here as well. Amber Heard and Johnny Depp began dating in 2012 and were married in a civil ceremony in Feb 2015. Amber Heard filed for divorce in May 2016, so just a year later, and obtained a temporary restraining order against him, alleging that he had been abusive throughout their relationship, usually, she said, while under the influence of drugs and alcohol. Now, the Washington Post published an opinion essay written by Amber Heard in which she described herself as a public figure representing domestic abuse who had, and I quote, felt the full force of our culture's wrath for women who speak out. 
She didn't mention Depp by name, but it felt pretty clear that she was referring to him. Yeah. So to put it simply, Depp is arguing in court that he is actually a victim of domestic violence and that Amber Heard's claims, particularly those published in that Washington Post article, are false and have directly affected his ability to earn an income. In particular, he lost a Pirates of the Caribbean sequel job that was reportedly worth $40 million, he says, on account of that article. Yeah, right. Now, I think to put it lightly, the stuff coming out of this court case is pretty wild. It feels far more public than the other one, doesn't it? And far more complicated than the other one, which I find quite interesting. Now, here's a little bit about what's been alleged in this court case as per the LA Times. One month after tying the knot, according to Depp's lawsuit against Heard, she threw a vodka bottle at him in Australia. The bottle shattered and the broken glass severed and shattered the bones of his right middle finger. Photos were introduced as evidence depict a gruesome injury. Yeah, in Amber Heard's attorney's opening statement, his name is Ben Rattenborn, he said their case would touch upon a three-day blackout in which Johnny Depp abused and sexually assaulted Amber. Rattenborn said, you will hear in the most graphic and horrifying terms about the sexual violence that Amber suffered. You'll hear that straight from her. So, I mean, you've got the story about the severed finger. You've got the story about a three-day blackout and sexual violence. And I think, although a lot is not clear when we sit down and record this episode, what is clear is that there are definitely allegations of domestic abuse on both sides. Yeah, correct. Johnny and Amber's joint therapist, Laurel Anderson, testified in a deposition that she believes most of the behaviour from both parties can be traced back to childhood trauma. And she ultimately did describe the couple's dynamic as mutual abuse. Yeah, we've also had audio recordings from both parties saying some pretty troubling things. Things In one recording, the court heard Johnny Depp tell Amber Heard, the next move, if I don't walk away, it's going to be a bloodbath like it was on the island. In that audio recording, you hear Amber claim that Johnny had been putting out cigarettes on her flesh. Yeah, another recording that was played in court includes Amber Heard admitting to hitting Johnny Depp before telling him, tell the world, Johnny, tell them. Johnny Depp, I, a man, I'm a victim too of domestic violence and see how many people believe or side with you. (sighs) I can't fathom how dark this story became. I mean, we always knew it was going to be dark, but I, I really didn't expect it to get to this level. And I think it would be foolish of me to have like a really binary opinion on this before actually letting the case play out Mm. and kind of sitting back with hindsight because I think the problem with these stories and perhaps while we've sat on it for a little bit is because people have opinion in the thick of it on something so dark that we don't have a full scope on yet. Yeah, and truthfully I think maybe I formed my opinion too strongly before the court case had like actually played out anyway. I I think think I've seen things happen and gone, okay, I really need to sit back and listen and learn and think and then form an opinion when I have all the evidence. And I will say, I agree with you. I think we had opinions before this case, but I also think we're forming those opinions on what is public information. Mm. And when that public information changes, changes, yeah, Yeah. I think it's the job of everybody to sit back and say, "Mm, this is one to sort of just watch 
It's been really interesting though on TikTok how few people have done that though. Yeah, TikTok's an interesting one. Have you guys noticed? I don't know how I've ended up no. on this or if everyone's ended up on this. I'm on Justice for Johnny Depp TikTok, which is an interesting place to be. It's a lot. It's a lot of people thinking that Johnny Depp is the most wronged person in the world, which is also sort of a hard thing to stomach as well when mm. you see the stuff coming out of the courtroom too. But to see people be so completely passionately opinionated about this right now doesn't feel quite right. I think it's one of those classic cases if you're seeing anyone totally side with either party I'm not sure they could have read everything out there because the more you read the more conflicted you feel. Yeah exactly my second story. Sophia Ritchie is engaged. See the $300,000 ring that is from People magazine. Yeah so 23 year old model Sophia Ritchie who is of course the daughter of music legend Lionel Ritchie and the sister of TV personality Nicole Ritchie announced that she is engaged to her boyfriend, Elliot Grange. She confirmed this news, Zara, on Instagram, as always. Yeah, exactly. She wrote on Instagram, forever isn't long enough at Elliot. Now, I don't know who this guy is, so I don't know how he just got the username <laughs> Elliot. <laughs> I've pro- it's such a flex. It's, it is a huge flex and it makes me want to know who someone is when they just have their first name on Instagram. <laughs> now, these two went public with their relationship in April last year. Elliot's dad actually is the CEO and chairman of the Universal Music Group. Elliot himself is the founder and CEO of an independent record label. He's also a Forbes 30 under 30 winner. So we we love a self-made man. (laughs) We love a self-made boy. Good on him. Good work, Elliot. Sophia, as we know, guys, also dated Scott Disick before this serious relationship. She was with Scott between 2017 and 2020. Now, it hasn't been the best month or two for Scott, particularly given the Kardashians is now airing and we're watching his response to Kourtney Kardashian getting engaged. Well, yeah, and he seems quite sad about that. Sorry, I shouldn't have even lied. He does seem quite upset about that, about Kourtney Kardashian moving on. He did have his chances, though. He had many a chance to get Kourtney back, but don't let me go down that rabbit hole or I might never come out. (laughs) Mate, you need to pull me back from that rabbit hole. I'm like championing at the bit to go down there. But he did kind of make a joke about this the fact that two of his most high-profile exes just got engaged in the space of months of each other. He posted a photo on Instagram on like a speedboat with the caption, in the 305, just call me good luck, Chuck. Michelle, you want to translate that for the people who don't understand? (laughs) Well, what Zara's notes tell me (laughs) is that it seems to refer to the 2007 romantic comedy Good Luck Chuck, where a man dates women and as soon as they break up, that woman goes and gets married to someone else very quickly. Yeah. I think that's what my research told me too. <laughs> I I don't know if that counts when he broke up with Kourtney Kardashian like fucking six years ago. No, I think it's just a funny joke. <laughs> like I don't love Scott Disick, but I was like, props to you. Like everyone <laughs> you love is getting engaged, you poor thing. <laughs> now, while we are on the topic of the Richies, we mentioned as well that Sophia Richie is, of course, the sister of Nicole. And while we were in this rabbit hole of Sophia Richie, because we were on a rabbit hole this week. Oh, yes. We found something interesting about Nicole. Yes. So, I jumped on Nicole's page because I was like, what is our gal Nicole Richie up to? Like, I wouldn't really know. I know she's married to a Madden brother. Don't ask me which one off the top of my head. But like, Benji. let's, Benji. let's check is in. It? Yeah, yeah. I think yeah. So. My dog's namesake. Yeah. <laughs> let's check in with old mate Nicole. And in her bio, she had like a handle that was linked to another Instagram profile of Nikki Fresh. And then I went to Nikki Fresh and was like, what the fuck is this? And it turns out Nicole Richie has a fully fleshed out rap persona 
under which she has released a nine-track album. Were you not here for this, Annabelle? No. Annabelle's like madly Googling <laughs> in the corner. I think it's a parody, right? She came out and she did some interviews about being Nikki Fresh and she said, oh, I kind of wanted to do a parody song but it turned into an album. But if it's a parody <laughs> album, I actually don't get the joke. <laughs> like I have no idea what's going on. All of the songs rap about motherhood and like wellness and why you should eat fresh food. Yeah, she's a wellness rapper. Like it's a wellness character who raps. But then she's saying she wants to use Nikki Fresh to like spread the good word of eating your veggies. So She sounds like a kid's rapper. Like, <laughs> no, but if you listen to music, it's not for children. <laughs> Annabelle, it's actually, dare I say, quite fucking catchy. It's, oh. The po- the one we put on TikTok at Chainless underscore podcast is very catchy. We put a video on there if you want to check it out. You also could just go on your Spotify and search the album. She was also rubbing parsley on her face at one point. <laughs> it's the most confusing joke that I am not in on. That sounds weirdly but sexual. It's like that meme we posted on Instagram. It's like, I don't understand it, but I love it. I <laughs> do love it. We all love it. Sorry, to correct the record, Nicole Richie's actually with Joel, not Benny. <gasps> oh. Zara McDonald. I, I did have a little moment, a shaky moment <laughs> when I said it. You know when you say something yeah. confidently? I love that you're like, it's a 50-50 chance. Why not just go for it? Yeah, it was close enough. <laughs> and Annabelle was nodding vigorously when I said Benji, so... <laughs> Coming up after the break, the rest of the quick and dirty, and we open the shameless mailbag. But first, a word from today's sponsor. My third story. Rihanna's partner, ASAP Rocky, arrested in LA over shooting that is from the Sydney Morning Herald. Goodness me, another huge story out of the week. ASAP Rocky was detained in LA at the airport on Wednesday in connection to a shooting in November last year. Yeah, so the 33-year-old rapper was returning from vacation in Barbados with girlfriend Rihanna, pregnant girlfriend Rihanna, when he was arrested. Now, He fled to Barbados with Rihanna after those very nasty breakup rumours circulated on Twitter that we talked about in last week's episode. Yeah, huge week for these two. Seeing these headlines was like disorienting almost because it's like, God, how much scandal is one person going to find themselves in in the space of seven days? Absolutely. Now, according to NBC, who was actually the outlet who got the scoop on this story, Rihanna was with ASAP when he was arrested and a search warrant had been executed at his house in LA. ASAP Rocky was jailed but actually released on bail three hours later. So what is alleged to have happened on the evening of November 6, 2021? Well, the shooting victim who survived told police that the rapper and two others approached him on the street with a handgun. According to police reports, the victim claimed ASAP Rocky shot at him three or four times and did believe a bullet grazed his left hand. Yeah, in a statement on Twitter, LAPD said the victim had sustained a minor injury after which his assailants fled on foot. Now, ASAP will make his first appearance in court on the 17th of August, but this is not the first time he's gotten in legal trouble for alleged violence. Yeah, exactly. In 2019, our listeners might actually remember he was arrested in Sweden following a fight between his entourage and two other men. He was actually convicted of assault and ordered to pay more than $1,000 in damages and spent a month in jail before the sentence, but was not ordered to serve any additional time. Now, 
I think when I said listeners might remember, they might remember this case because it drew worldwide media attention after then US President Donald Trump unsuccessfully tried to kind of like secure his release from prison while he was awaiting trial. It was completely bizarre. Yeah, but he was found guilty of that assault and he was also charged for it, as you said. Now, as we know, Rihanna is quite pregnant. All reports state that she is due to give birth this spring. We're talking, of course, about American Spring. That started on March 20 and ends on June 21. So at the most, she's got about maybe seven weeks left of this pregnancy a very turbulent time to then be bringing a baby into the world. Incredibly stressful. Like yeah. incredibly stressful week. I can't imagine an almost more stressful week, I think, in terms of high-profile scandals that these two have had to weather. So got to be the worst timing when you're ultra-pregnant. I'd be super curious as well to know if she knew anything had happened last year to do with this well, or if when he got arrested this was entirely new information. I, I don't think so because the reports that I was reading is that this was under investigation. It just hadn't been made public. Mm. But, yeah, it's still a, a solid question. My fourth story, I'm obsessed with Harry Styles talking about his sex life in Better Homes <laughs> and Gardens. That is from Jezebel. What is going on here? So, Harry Styles did a profile in Better Homes and Gardens magazine and I don't get it. (laughs) Like like of all the places to do a huge profile to mark the launch of your album, which is Harry's House, which is coming out, Better Homes and Gardens. I mean, I kind of get it. I think if they're trying to do Harry's House, Better Homes and Gardens, but it's not like they were at his house or did anything to do with his personal home. Props to Better Homes and Gardens though. The photography is banger. Like yeah, the photo cool. shoot they did with Harry is uncharacteristically cool for that publication. But it is an odd you, choice. You big reader of Better Homes <laughs> and Gardens, are you? <laughs> well, I mean, surely we don't think Better Homes and Gardens is like the coolest No, place. No, that's why I'm obsessed with him doing it. Part of me, and I don't know if this is giving Harry Styles way too much credit, but again, Harry Styles will be in my, not even pass basket, he will be in my too much credit basket. Ooh, golden basket. Golden Ooh. basket. I will give him way more than he probably deserves. I can imagine him saying what little publication could we prop up (laughs) that or he just has a mate at better homes and gardens who's like mate chuck me a bone you've done vogue you've done like gq done rolling stone give the little fella at better homes and gardens a go well i'm obsessed with it so he actually did talk quite candidly mish in this profile about his sex life now it's quite interesting the profile kind of set up this idea that Harry found the years that he was in One Direction quite tough and I think Mm. he probably only realised they were quite tough once he'd left. He felt quite restricted, felt very much like he needed to give himself over to his fans all the time and was constantly fearful about what people were saying about him and whether he was liked enough. And he went on and said this, for a long time it felt like the only thing that was mine was my sex life. I felt so ashamed about it, ashamed at the idea of people even knowing I was having sex, let alone who with. At the time, there were still the kiss and tell things. Working out who I could trust was stressful. But I think I got to a place where I was like, why do I feel ashamed? I'm a 26-year-old man who's single. It's like, yes, I have sex. What do we think he's talking about in this passage? Because he went on to say that the expectation to him that he should have to outline his sexuality is outdated. He said, I've been really open with it with my friends, but that's my personal experience. It's mine. The whole point of where we should be heading, which is towards accepting everybody and being more open is that it doesn't matter and it's about not having to label everything not having to clarify what boxes you're checking really fascinating quotes yeah I I kind of love when he talks about this not that I ever feel like he should have to talk about it but I love how he talks about it because I think it it makes it better for everyone Mm -hmm. for him to be like 
I'll give you sort of vague quotes about things that used to worry me, which was stories of who I was sleeping with being made public. But I won't tell you much more because that's not your business. And it doesn't make it for a better world for anyone if we're all in boxes and all need labels. Mm, Yeah, I absolutely agree. It's really refreshing that he feels like he can say this and stick by it. Like he has had this, I guess, approach to his sexuality and his private life for a couple of years now, at least. So for him to kind of hold steady on that, I have a lot of respect for, because I think a lot of people would just be worn down over the years and go, fuck, I'll just come out or I'll just say whatever I need to say or set the record straight. For him to go, no, it's none of your business. It's my business entirely is really nice. Yeah. My fifth story, Elon Musk, world's richest man, reaches deal to buy Twitter for $44 billion. That is from The Guardian. And boy, the boys are doing some stuff this week. The boys are busy this week. <laughs> we the don't gals? usually talk about men this much. <laughs> shameless. Where are the gals? Where are the gals? And what are they doing? And where are the Aussie celebrities too while we're here? Yes, Aussie celebrities, particularly female Aussie celebrities. We miss you. We're bored. Give us some stuff to talk about. Give us something. But back to Elon. Boy, is this actually a relatively complicated story that we just kind of try and keep Fluffy. Keep it simple. <laughs> We're going to do Keep this it straight. Sh- shameless spin on takeover. Shameless <laughs> spin on our beautiful boy, Elon. Now, if you missed it, after initially trying to limit Elon Musk's ability to take over Twitter last week, the company announced on Monday that the board unanimously accepted the Tesla CEO's $44 billion bid to buy them out. Now, Twitter boasts more than 200 million active users. Obviously, Elon will be taking this company private now and he will be trying to grow that. Yes. Now, the Tesla CEO has often described himself as a free speech absolutist and has criticised what he sees as excessive moderation on online platforms such as Twitter. In his statement announcing the purchase, he elaborated, free speech is the bedrock of a functioning democracy and Twitter is the digital town square where matters vital to the future of humanity are debated. Twitter has tremendous potential and I look forward to working with the company and the community of users to unlock it. Interesting. Yeah. I think naturally people are a little bit concerned about what that actually might mean to be such a free speech absolutist and what things he will let pass on the platform when traditionally Twitter has been quite staunch about the stuff that they will allow being published. Yeah, I think there's a big divide here. I think some people are really excited about this. Some people are really concerned about this also. During a recent interview at a TED conference, Musk said, if it's a grey area, let the tweet exist, alluding to the idea that social media commentary on the app would only be deleted if it's considered illegal. He also recently tweeted out, a social media platform's policies are good if the most extreme 10% on the left and right are equally unhappy. Interesting quote. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I can't even be bothered giving my opinion on that. Some articles around have suggested that Elon could finally bring in an edit button, which some users have been asking for for a long time. Also reinstate Donald Trump's Twitter account, which naturally brings, you know, a whole wealth of problems in and of itself and find an algorithm to completely remove spam and bots. Elon Musk is actually the eighth most popular person on the app with more than 84 million Followers. He's a popular busy boy. It's popular or curiosity. I don't no, think people. He's popular. People popul- love him. Pe- some people love him, but I would say a great portion of those people are following because of curiosity. He has tweeted some absolutely wacky things. Like with the news this week of him purchasing Twitter, some of his most outrageous tweets have come to the fore. And 
it's like a little bit terrifying. But as we said last week, when I say popular, people want the chaos. Like people that's love what, chaos sorry, and he's an agent of chaos. That's what I mean. It's a curiosity point, right? People follow because it's like, what are you going to do? Next, I am incredibly intrigued about what all of this means. Yeah, for what it's worth, Twitter Jack, the company's founder, tweeted, Elon's goal of creating a platform that is maximally trusted and broadly inclusive is the right one. This is also our CEO's goal and why I chose him. Thank you both for getting the company out of an impossible situation. This is the right path. I believe it with all my heart. Watch this space. Watch this space. My sixth and final story, Diane Keaton found out she's the face of Coastal Grandmas. That is from W Magazine. Now, (laughs) on Your Safe Friday last week, someone asked our opinion on Coastal Grandmas and I didn't have one because I had no idea what was going on. So I did my digging. (laughs) Did your digging? It was your safe Friday for whoever sent that in? Well, it wasn't quite safe. I just said no. (laughs) (laughs) Well, they weren't safe at all, actually. In fact, we will try as hard as we can to make it a safer Friday for all this week. A safer Friday for all. Now, background, TikToker Lex Nicoletta shared a video in late March explaining the aesthetic she coined as Coastal Grandmother, which essentially Zara, she described as Martha Stewart adjacent, not fully Ina Garten, Nancy Myers chic. In a video set to This Will Be by Natalie Cole, which is apparently the Coastal Grandmother anthem. Of course it is. (laughs) Now, we're not going to sing that song because we have a ban on singing and we also... Could it get into uh, some copyright issues if we play the song? But if I was to say, how about I hum? Yeah. That's all I'm going to give you. <laughs> and then there's a line that's like, just how much I care. No, that, that's not even a famous <laughs> line. <laughs> it's in rom-coms. If you think of, okay, while you were sleeping, the, the parent Cinder- trap. Cinderella, Cinderella tra- story. Cinderella story. Yeah. It is the 90s rom-com anthem. And that is the anthem of Coastal Grandma. Now, if you want to know what the fashion trend actually is and what's going on with it, let me use Anne Hathaway as an example because Anne Hathaway posted a picture of herself on Instagram this week modelling Coastal Grandma. She was wearing cream-covered pants, a white shirt, like a button-up shirt, and a straw hat. She wrote on Instagram, I have been ready for hashtag Coastal Grandmother chic since before TikTok was born. May this moment never end. If I was to describe describe it to people in Melbourne, it's like the rich grandma down in Portsea or if for our global listeners, the rich grandma down in the Hamptons. Yes. It's a bit scandy, a bit preppy. Yeah. With like, I think the ultimate is you have a jumper draped over your shoulders. (laughs) Yes, which I tend to do quite a bit. (laughs) It's Zara McDonald. You and I have also recently, dare I say, purchased things from the coastal grandmother trend. Absolutely. I'm a trend jumper. I will jump from trend to trend. Although I have, I've always been a lover of the sweater over. So maybe I've just always been a portsy grandma. (laughs) Now I did read, I was trying to do some wide reading on this trend because I thought I want to get all my facts straight. There was an article in the list that I want to talk to you both about because this is how they spoke about Coastal Grandma and I am positively sure this is why none of us can have nice things. I'm tired already. (laughs) Today's hectic lifestyle makes it difficult to relax and stop staring at your phone all day. Given this aspect, (laughs) it's not surprising that more than half of the population reports feeling stressed on a daily basis according to the American Institute of Stress. Social media (laughs) only makes things worse, leading to anxiety, depression and bad sleep. 
On the positive side, there are ways to manage stress and get your life back on track. No. Small, small things. Yes, this is about coastal grandma, by the way. Small things such as baking an apple pie and placing fresh flowers throughout your home can make all the difference. The coastal oh. grandmother trend is all about living a more relaxed life, even if you're miles away from the ocean. <laughs> Let this concept guide your fashion choices, eating habits and day-to-day activities. Most importantly, give yourself permission to rest and do whatever brings you joy. What? Why can't we just say it's a funny trend without bringing our phones into it? I'm sorry. If you're bringing up the American Institute of Stress, social media addiction, phone addiction, and anxiety and depression, you've gone maybe 10 kilometres too far. (laughs) Like, bring it back. It's coastal grandmothers and we love it. Yeah, let's just talk about the sweaters and the button-up shirts and leave it there. Ranking coastal grandmothers, your top of the tree. I would actually say yeah, I? I have. I have you brought a sweater vest in the last two no, weeks? No, I, I have. I've brought three. But this Anna, is kind Annabelle's, of. I've been looking at Annabelle's shirt, and it's very close to grandma, though. I'm it's, the opposite of. Coastal it's just grandma. the fact that you're wearing a black shirt underneath that doesn't quite fit. Yeah, you I'm trying to mix it up. You needed a cream, like a cream shirt underneath, mm. and then the you would have been pants. all yeah. over it. And then I would bake a pie, and then I would have been a grandma. <laughs> so I guess a pie next week, and yeah. you might be included, guys. That is all I've got for you. Thank you so much. Hmm. You've got mail. Yes. Those are very powerful words. It's mailbag time. Yay, my favourite time. Is it? Yeah, I love reading these out. Uh, <laughs> and Valley, without further ado. Okay, this one reads, Hey ladies, so I've been dating a guy for just under a year now. We've moved in together and I'm beyond in love with him and our life together. A few months ago, I found out that when we'd first started dating, he was messaging a number of other girls, even saying I love you to one of them. Ouch. Now, since we weren't yet official, I guess some people would say he's done nothing wrong. But back then, I specifically asked if he was seeing other people and he assured me that he wasn't. What bothers me is that he lied because he knows I would have left if I knew this was happening in the early months. I suppose what I'm asking is, am I overreacting by still getting upset and not being able to forget this happened? Or am I justified in feeling betrayed by his actions? I can't shake the feeling that our relationship is built on lies. I truly thought he was the one for me, but this has made me question everything. And I can't help but wonder if he's not the person I think he is. Help. Oh, my God. Yeah, wow. I find this one so fascinating because I think I have had so many friends who've gone through something similar. Same. Yeah. It's a tale as old as time. What a (laughs) dirty little rascal that guy is. You're so right. It is a tale as old as time. I've got so many questions, I've got to be honest. I'd love a bit more detail, but I'd always love a bit more detail in these ones. I guess I want to know how she found out. Yeah, because my vibe when you read it out then, Annabelle, was that she has found these. I mean, if he wasn't honest about it at the time, a year ago, what's going to make him come clean out of the blue about it now? She didn't mention like surely – someone DMing you and saying, hey, we were talking or we were still seeing each other. Like that's too dramatic. She would have included that. Yeah. Don't admit that. Yeah, I think you're right. I think the first time I read this, I was like, oh, you know, one of the girls could have just told her or she could have heard from a friend of a friend. But I think when I re-listened to it, when you read it, Annabelle, it's even saying I love you to one of them. I think you're seeing that. You're reading I think you're reading that yourself. You're going through his phone. I think so. And I wonder, I mean, it's an interesting place to start, I guess, because, you know, if she's going through his phone and you could have hours and hours of conversations about that concept by itself, but if you're looking for something. Yeah. We're not going to get into the ethics of going through your partner's phone and invading their privacy that way, but clearly to be motivated to do that, I would say in 95% of circumstances, 
you have a feeling in your gut that you're going to find something. You don't yeah. go looking for something that you don't think exists. Well, I think it's actually a really interesting thing to poll our listeners on in Your Say Friday because it's like if you are in a really happy, secure relationship, do you ever feel the need to go through your partner's phone? I would love to know that because almost always I would think surely your gut is off with something. Yeah, and ultimately the way she has found this plays into how I feel about it. If he came to her and came clean, which I think is unlikely but not impossible, I am more likely to give this guy a go. If she found it and then confronted him, it looks even worse. Like it starts that classic like mental gymnastics of like, well, what else don't I know? Like I've found this and I'm confronting you about it. What else haven't you told me or what else have you concealed? I agree with you. It doesn't seem completely impossible that he could tell her, but realistically we're living in a real world. What guy is coming up to his girlfriend saying, by the way, a year ago when we started dating, (laughs) messaging every girl in Sydney. (laughs) Every girl in Perth heard from me. Messaging so many gals and BTW told one of them that I love them. (laughs) Let's actually talk about that for a second, right? Because I think it's not completely unforgivable for him to be messaging people. Yes, he did lie about it, but Mm. it's not relationship ending for me for him to be messaging people at the start and then you know, proceed to date you and not perhaps tell you the truth about who he was seeing at the time that you guys met. It does feel pretty hard to stomach that he was telling people, I love you. And I guess I want to give again the benefit of the doubt being like, well, could it have been a love you to a friend? Because I mm. would say to my male friends very occasionally when I'm feeling sentimental, which is what, <laughs> once a year on their birthday, love you, have no, a good I day. The same. I'm the same. Love you, have a good day. But beyond that, I'm not really telling anyone else that I love them. And I do want to know <laughs> if he is saying the words, I love you and not to a friend, but to an acquaintance or a girl that he's saying, is he telling the truth? Is he just throwing that word around like he doesn't mean it? Or did he love someone else very close to you? And how yeah. do you feel about that? Was the word I involved? If he wrote love you to someone, <laughs> I feel yeah. like it's a it's a petty level crime. It doesn't really matter. If he wrote I love you, that feels way more. For some reason, that inclusion of one extra word, I love you, instead of just love you, love ya, illy. 100% because we've had people write into us for the mailbag. I reckon more than a couple of times saying my partner won't say, I love you. They only say, love you. Am I being petty for caring about that? No. Not petty at all for caring about that. I think it makes a huge difference. And yes, it might just be. I. Yeah, a single word. But I think it's what those words actually signify in today's world. I guess I want to know what we owe people first and foremost when we're dating, like in the early days of dating, because If they haven't agreed to be exclusive, of course he doesn't owe her being exclusive. But if she's asking him straight if he's sleeping with other women, he absolutely owes her the truth. He definitely owes her transparency, I agree, most particularly when it comes to sexual partners. Well, that's actually the other thing. I'm assuming he's sleeping with them, but what if he's not? Yeah, if he was having sex with other people and you as the new person he's dating asks him candidly and openly, by the way, are you sleeping with anyone else? That response triggers behaviours in you. If you know that your partner's not sleeping with anyone else, they're only sleeping with you, you might forego protection. You might do a variety of things in the bedroom that you wouldn't do if you knew he was having other sexual partners at the same time. Yeah, absolutely. It's a health thing for me, first and foremost. And he absolutely owes her that. But what if, and I mean this genuinely as a question that I'm sort of trying to ruminate right now on, if he's not sleeping with anyone, Mm. he's just telling girls he loves them 
And she, they aren't exclusive and she asked him straight up, are you talking to other girls? Do you also owe the truth to someone you're not exclusive with? I think you owe the truth in like a philosophical sense as much as humanly possible in life. Like yeah. I think if you're also dating someone with the prospect of becoming their life partner, then yes, I think the truth is just a good thing. I don't know whether you owe it to someone, but you should do it regardless. Annabelle, you're on the dating scene mm. right now. If someone came to you and you were like – really into them but like weren't ready to go exclusive and you were still talking to other people you weren't sleeping with them and they said are you talking to other people would you tell them the truth the thing about me though is that I'm quite like one person yeah if I'm into someone I'll just be seeing one person and I think I'm the same and I think at our age I said this to you yesterday Michelle and I can't even quite work out if it's relevant to this mailbag at all anymore. <laughs> we're about to find out and I said to you at our age I think it's different when you're younger at our age of 27 28 when you are getting a bit older I do kind of think for my friends it's a tiny bit of a red flag if they're seeing heaps of different people when they're seeing you Mm. if they intend to keep dating you because it's like at this age surely you kind of know what you want and if you're really into someone surely and this is assuming you want to be monogamous too surely you just want to commit to them and be like all my eggs are in your basket and I want to make you feel special. I agree. I think it's definitely a green light when one of my friends starts dating someone and pretty quickly they know I just want to date this person. Yes. Like if there's months going on where they're dating this person but also a handful of others and then eventually they become boyfriend girlfriend with that person I'm like well, why did it take so long to, to, pick. to pick that person? Normally it should be like wow okay a few dates that person is a standout. That person is the best person. Blows them out of the water. Yeah. Let's do this. No one else compares. I do think it's different when you're younger because I think you're trying to work out who you are and what you want. Mm. So I don't necessarily think it's as relevant here, but I still think it's relevant to some degree. Yeah, no, I agree and I accept that. I also think time is a factor here. Yes. If this listener wrote in and said, we have been together for five years I found out this happened at the beginning of our relationship. I don't know how to feel. Truthfully, my advice to her would be, well, could you even say your partner's still the same person? Like five years ago is such a long time. You've built such a beautiful relationship. You say you love him so, so much. The person who made those mistakes, you could say, is a pretty different person to the man you love today. This is a different situation. She said they've been together not even a year yet. The person who made these choices to lie... And to deceive her is essentially the same dude that she's now like tossing up. I think you're absolutely bang on there because I think my opinion on this depends entirely on how long a relationship has been going for and how committed that relationship is because you and I turned to each other and thought, well, what would you do in your own relationship if this happened when you've been together at this age for years and years and you intend to be with them forever? I'm betrothed. Yes, (laughs) you are betrothed. (laughs) And I think in this case, this relationship is still sort of in those foundation times like you actually I think in the first maybe eight or so months and I'm not a relationship psychologist at all so I'm just like putting arbitrary numbers on shit but it feels like you're in that foundation stage where you are setting yourself up for what's to come next and if you're finding this stuff out in the foundation stage then I think it's hard do you know what I mean Mm. do you see the difference rather than finding it out 
five years later when you've built a life together and you've got far more proof of commitment, far more proof of who they are and far more proof of how and why they love you. Not to be dumb about it, but far more brownie points in the bank. Yes. Like, has he done enough for you and proved enough to you that he loves you deeply and will be there when the chips are down? You've only been together less than a year and he's had this colossal fuck up. I'm not sure the brownie points are there to kind of withdraw to excuse this. Oh my God, I love it. It's a currency. It's a relationship (laughs) currency. It's a relationship currency. I will also say though to this listener, if you had asked me at 21 or 22, which of my friendship couples were strong, which of the couples in my life were really healthy, not very many of them, truthfully. Like I look back at my own relationship and the relationships of my friends when we were in our early 20s and we had some relationships that were pretty immature, like not the healthiest, most stable things. There is a world where this relationship could grow into something really mature and healthy and loving because I've seen that so much in my 20s. But trust is everything. And I think you need to sit with yourself and ask yourself, could something like this happen again? Messaging girls is very easy. He doesn't have to go very far to tell someone else he loves them or to message another girl and lie to you about it. What's going to stop that from happening? Well, it makes me wonder because I agree with you. I have friends who have had rockier starts to their relationships and I look at their relationships now and I think they are like wonderful, strong, healthy relationships. But are they the anomaly? Like Mm. if somebody does start a bit questionably and this is only coming out in the first year and perhaps he hasn't even told you about this, like is this setting you up to fail? No, I think you can make it work, but boy, it will demand a whole lot of maturity on both of your sides. More so his, to be totally honest with you. He will absolutely need to stand up, own what he's done and commit to being better. But more than anything, show that over a long period of time. And you, dear listener, will need to find a way to let it go. Yeah, I think that's a great point. The listener gave us a couple of questions at the end of her submission. They were, am I overreacting by still getting upset and not being able to forget this happened? I think our answer unanimously on this table is absolutely not. Not yep, overreacting. So fair. Am I justified in feeling betrayed by his actions? Absolutely, yes. Very justified. And I think for that reason, in tandem with what you just said, Zara, I'm curious to hear how he's responded to all this. If he's made you feel like you're overreacting and you're not allowed to be upset and that you're not justified in feeling betrayed, he really lacks maturity and self-awareness and compassion for your experience. So if he's making you feel that way, run. Don't be gaslighted into thinking this doesn't matter. It mm. does matter. It's not relationship ending, but it has, it matters. Yeah, it definitely, definitely matters. Annabelle, any point? Oh, just major eye roll too. Oh, this isn't a big deal if the boyfriend comes back and is like, oh, not a big deal. Why are you blowing this yeah, out? Yeah. This is before we were together. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I rolled to that guy. Uh, yeah, big, and we all know that guy. <laughs> oh my God, guys. I think that's all we've got time for. That is all we've got time for today. Guys, as always, we are on Instagram at Shameless Podcast. We will be on Instagram for your Friday tomorrow. That is uh, about lunchtime-ish is when we usually do it. We ask your opinions and thoughts on everything we spoke about today. Yeah, we're also on TikTok at shameless underscore podcast. And other than that, click follow. Click follow wherever you're listening to this. Helps us out in the charts and we love you for it. Annabelle Lee, anything to add? No, thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Be polite today. (laughs) I must refuse. (laughs) Thanks, guys. We will be back in your ears on Monday. Bye.
Shameless Media. This podcast was recorded on Wurundjeri land. Always was, always will be Aboriginal land.